0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey, everybody. Before we get into today's show, I just wanted to let you guys know that me and Fachi recorded this around 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time before we got all the information of what was going to happen. So... In this trade, the Indiana Pacers did acquire Serge Ibaka, George Hill, Jordan Awara, and three second-round picks. They had to waive James Johnson, Terry Taylor, and Goga Batadze to create that space. So we were unsure about the third person. We knew that Terry Taylor and Goga had been reported to be waived, but we did not know about James Johnson. So James Johnson is the third person to be waived from the roster to make this deal official. So... Me and Fachi were not aware of that at the time of the recording, so I wanted to let you guys know that we did not know that. So that conversation will be in there for a brief moment. But we had a great time talking about the trade deadline, what we like about this Pacers team moving forward, and maybe why they weren't as active at the deadline as some people might have wanted. So hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Let's get to the intro. <music> Alex and Fauci. Alex and Alex. And if I put our Jackson in the paint, how you gonna stop me? How you gonna stop me? How we you can win? go head to head. Call out your top three. Call out your top three. Look at the switch from Dorte. Now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton the point. This is the Benedict for the shot. If anybody gonna come in the post, then we got Jalen Smith for the block. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. What is going on, Pacer Nation? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. Joining me, the one and only Michael J. Focci. My goodness, Fachi. What a busy trade deadline after we thought nothing was going to happen, really. There was talks of this being one of the quieter
2: trade deadlines in recent years. Woo! Alex, a lot happened. And, it re- and you know me. I go to bed a little bit on the earlier side compared to maybe you, I woke up to, and it it was on, from Kevin Durant getting traded to the Suns, and it never quite stopped until 3 p.m. today. This was a fun trade deadline.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to lie, to be honest with you. I had fallen asleep about 11-ish last night after the Pacers played the Heat. I had to wake up for some reason at like 1 o'clock. My body just woke up right around 1 o'clock. I look at my phone. My phone's going off, so I just, you know, it's this time of year, so you just look. And I see breaking Kevin Durant traded to the Phoenix Suns. And I said, oh, my God, I got to stay up now and see what's going on. So Twitter was ablaze. You know, everybody was going back and forth. And obviously, this just opened up another window of opportunity for so many things. And the first thing I thought of was, OK, Jay Crowder's involved in this trade with the Suns. Obviously, he's going to Brooklyn. Does this mean Milwaukee is going to have a chance to find a deal here? Because, you know, for some reason, Milwaukee and Phoenix could never agree on a deal and then, lo and behold, Fauci, RND, and the Pacers step in as a third team to help facilitate this trade. Something that we had been talking about for a while. The Pacers could be a team to do that. And it's a bit of a it's a bit of an interesting trade. I don't think anybody loves it, but it's still a pretty cool trade to get this guy back right here.
2: Yes, it is. Now, look, I I was saying for quite some time, there's no shame in third wheeling. All right, and the Pacers end up being the third wheel in this deal, just like they did in years past involving the Victor Oladipo, you know, Houston Rockets and uh Brooklyn Nets deal. Uh in this situation, three second round picks were traded to the Pacers along with Jordan Noir, George Hill and Serge Ibaka. Alex, did you think Serge Ibaka was ever going to put a Pacer jersey on? <laughs>
1: No, to be honest with you, he was kind of a name that was thrown in there at the last second because at first it was reported that we were getting Jordan Awara, uh and we're going to get some second-round picks. And then it was reported by Woj that we were getting George Hill in the trade. And then Shams comes back and says, Serge Ibaka's going to Indiana too, And I'm thinking, we got three guys coming in here and nobody going out for the Pacers. So how is this going to all play out? And that's where it got interesting because we found out from Shams pretty quickly they're going to waive Goga Batadze. And then it was Jake Fisher close to like 230, I think it was. Yeah, He said that a small detail here but Terry Taylor will be waived in the Pacers-Bucks trade. So now, Fachi, there's only one thing left, and, and that means the Pacers, in order for them to acquire all three players in this trade, they have to have three roster spots. Well, they have a full roster because they guaranteed that contract of James Johnson, and I believe it was Terry Taylor's contract that became fully guaranteed. So by waiving Goga and Terry Taylor, they can take on the WARA and George Hill, but they still have to find a move to make for Serge Ibaka to come over in this deal. So it's obviously going to take a little bit of time because I don't even think the Suns and the Nets have officially done or the Suns and the Nets have officially done their trade yet. So it could actually turn into a four team trade. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if that's how big this gets, watch. But we do know that Serge Ibaka is not going to stay with Indiana. Shams just reported before we got on here that they will waive him. So they're going to have to waive somebody, though, to be able to take him on. And right now, a lot of people have asked who it's going to be. The name that makes the most sense is James Johnson. But here's what I'll tell you. If he clears waivers, they can re-sign him back. So that wouldn't surprise me. They waive James Johnson for this transaction to go through. Then they bring him back on to fill that final 15th man on the spot, on the roster. Yeah.
2: I, I could see that. Um, there was so much mystery involved with this trade that like versus like Jordan noir Cool. Hey, young player, a six, eight wing, a good three point shooter in this league. Only 24 years old under contract next year at just $3 million. I was catching Aaron Neesmith vibes of like, we got a young yeah. player who, Hey, fits that, you know, small forward build that we're looking for. All right. Great. Great. He needs more playing time. Then it was like, okay, well, what else is going on? And when they said, when Jake Fisher said one small detail, well, you know what? It wasn't a small detail. This is Terry Taylor yeah. we're talking about. I I love me some tea, tea. <laughs> and this this one hurt, but I understand. And and if you if you love something, sometimes you got to let it go in order for it to be free. And if it returns back to you, you know it was meant to be. And that's what happened with Lance Stevenson. That's what happened with George Hill. And maybe one day we'll see Terry Taylor again. I don't know, but I really do hope that he lands on a team, which I really feel that he will, but a team that gives him the playing time that he's looking for. Now, to your point with James Johnson, I think James Johnson has been such a good veteran for this Pacers team that I really feel that I I would love for the fact that if he is waived and could come back, that'd be awesome. If not, I do think that the Pacers are at this point now where you got 30-something games left in the season. You do still have veterans on this team like TJ McConnell. Hey, if George Hill is sticking around, which it sounds like he's definitely a veteran, 36 years old, born and raised in Indiana, he's got the state of Indiana tattooed on him. He's from the glory days of the back-to-back conference championships. That's a good vet to have. But like you said, still remains to be seen how this finishes up.
1: I mean, they could always cut O'Shea Brissett, but I think that uh, would be more of a of a mistake than It would thing. be a mistake. I agree. Um, speaking of Jordan Awara, obviously we don't watch a lot of Milwaukee Bucks games except when they play the Pacers. And so, you know, we might catch him on national TV every once in a while, but Awara no- has not really been part of the rotation, right? Yeah. He's a guy that's gotten f- a few opportunities here and there, but he's really not played that much. And when he has played, though, Fachi this season, 39% from three. So that's something that you do like. I did reach out to our, our friend Ty Windish, who hosts the Eurostep podcast on the Blue Wire podcast network, which is our the network that we're with. And a lot of you guys probably know Ty's voice from the ad that is played on our show constantly um, about you know betting and stuff like that. So Ty knows the Bucks though, in and out. And this is what he said. He said, it's complicated. Nawara's best skill is the ability to hit pull-up contested jumpers, including threes, but he's not actually all that efficient and doesn't have a great handle. Some Bucks fans say his defense is terrible, but personally, I think he improved and is passable on that end, if not a defensive stopper. He strikes me as a pretty typical bucket-getter kind of player who seems to be better the more shots he gets in a given game. I hope he gets run so we can see if he puts it all together or remains inconsistent. So that's Good description. a description. Yeah, I mean, honestly... People that watch the team on a regular basis are going to have a much better idea of that. So I'm not going to try to sit here and and lie to you, Fachi, and tell you I know a lot about Jordan Awara. I don't know anything about Jordan Awara. So this is the best way for me to try to let our fans know kind of what to expect from him. So uh, seems like he could be a bit of a chucker, but he's six foot eight, Fachi, and I think that's what's really enticing about him. It's
2: a lot to like, and like I mentioned, he is under contract next year at just three million dollars, so a good low risk gamble. And when I mentioned that, you know, it gives me Aaron Neesmith vibes. Jordan Noir has actually had some good games in his career as a rookie. Scored 34 points while also scoring 21 and 24. Uh, then the following year, scored uh, in double figures 21 times. This season, scored double figures eight times. You got to remember also, this is a Bucks team that's looking to contend. Now, we're not going to say that Noir has real postseason experience. He has logged a minute. In an NBA finals, (laughs) Um, you know, I I looked at it it was very much like a minute, two minutes there, but he's being part, he's part of a winning culture. And I think that that's always important to get as many winners together as you can, because then it becomes contagious. And I I think that he's, you know, I don't want to say he's proven, but he's been a good three point shooter in his career. 38% for his career, we know that's kind of what he's bringing to the table. Pacers like to shoot threes. I think this is a good opportunity on a a buy low guy that you didn't give really anything up of significance for. You also got back three second-round picks, and even George Hill, 36 years old, set to expire at the end of this year. It's not like the Pacers took on um, or, or limited their cap space moving forward significantly at all.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm curious how many second round picks we got because I thought we only got two, and I thought the Buck or the the Nets got three. So no,
2: uh, so ESPN I read
1: it, it was the Pacers got three.
2: Okay. so it was it was two in the first original deal, and then they got mm. an additional one for taking on Serge Ibaka.
1: Okay, I wonder if the Nets got three as well.
2: Uh, it was five for uh, second round picks. Nets okay. got two. We got okay. three. That's how okay. I read
1: it. Yeah, there's been a lot of like really. It's not been any clear reporting on this trade whatsoever. It's been jumbled pieces all over. So if we got three second-round picks out of this, that's really important because just looking at how many players were acquired today because of the amount of second-round picks they had, like, no, they usually don't mean a whole lot to teams, but when you say, hey, we can throw you these five assets to go trade or whatever because we saw uh, in two different reports today the Warriors got five second-round picks – Basically, for Sadiq Bay, in terms of uh, that three team deal that was originally reported between the Hawks, the Pistons, and the Warriors. And then they used those same five picks that they got in that to go get Gary Payton a second, someone that they lost in free agency. So I just thought it was pretty interesting. And they gave up James Wiseman in that deal as well. So, you know, it's just kind of funny how second round picks work. But I think, you know, obviously moving on from. Serge Ibaka, $1.8 million, expiring contract. Nothing really going to hurt you there. George Hill in the final year of his contract, $4 million a year. I think this is a guy, though, George Hill, being on this Pacers team. Refresh my memory, Fauci, but wasn't it not too long ago when he was a free agent that he wanted to come back to Indiana?
2: He did. He so did.
1: he's he's wanted to come back home for a little while now. Obviously, he's not on a championship contender like he was in Milwaukee, but still a chance to come back home, maybe finish out his career here. I think he liked Indiana, obviously, and this is a really fun team. So, having him on here as a veteran presence, I think that's awesome. I just don't anticipate him playing any minutes, but I think he's a great insurance if you have another point guard injury. You could play him as a third string point guard, something like that. But really, do believe in George Hill, and his terms, in terms of his veteran presence,
2: exactly. Do not know how much George is going to. You know, play at all? I really don't. But the fact that he's coming home, I think that he can deal with that rather than you know demanding to be bought out and try and chase a ring or anything of that sort. So nice to have him back. I always you know ha- had fond memories of George Hilt. So that that's a pretty cool reunion. But for Goga I mean, were you surprised the Pacers couldn't actually find no. a suitor? I wasn't either, <laughs> and we talked about it. Look, we knew that we might have to attach a pick. Just to, you know, unload Goga. But in the end, hey, I hope he lands on his feet somewhere. Very curious to see what happens with Goga for the rest of season. Or does he go back to Europe? I definitely think that he is an NBA player. I definitely do. But I just don't know where he's going to be able to get that playing time. And unfortunately, it just, it never worked out here. And it never looked like it was going to work out here.
1: Maybe once he clears waivers, a team will pick him up and give him a chance. I, I could see maybe San Antonio because we did talk about you know them losing Yaka Purtle. They traded for Dwayne Deadman and they actually bought waived him, out. Him, mm-hmm. bought yep. him out. So they do have a hole there, I believe, at the center position. Uh they did get Kim Birch in the Purtle trade. So, you know, there is that there. But you just have to wonder, maybe they're a team that could be interested in doing something like that. And then Terry Taylor. This one hurts because we really like Terry Taylor. He came on our show and it just seemed like the front office all offseason just was raving about him and how he can be this connector. In fact, to start the year out, as somebody pointed out to me today, like when Miles went down in, in the warm-ups in the first game of the season against the Wizards, they went to Terry Taylor as a starting power forward and had Jalen Smith slide to the five, and that just didn't work out. And so, you know, Terry Taylor, I just feel like he didn't really get a good opportunity to, to showcase what he has. And some people said, yes, he did. He showed it in practice. I'm like, not nah, not really. Okay, like, come on now. The Pacers have prioritized who they're going to play, and I think honestly, I'm not surprised that they cut him to make a deal like this happen because he was a non guaranteed contract. So it, it was not getting any playing time, and it was slim pickings out there. So it makes a lot of sense. But I think the one that is probably the most interesting is that Daniel Tice is still on this roster.
2: I just don't think they were able to find a home for Tice. I, you know, only played a couple of games. Now you look at um the Clippers, I believe they they did acquire Mason Plumley. They did I want to yeah. say. And Plumley's having a, a really solid year. Um, like for, for Mason Plumley standards. You know, we're not talking like this guy's knocking on the door for an all-star bid or anything. But Plumley, I think, is is a player that they got a larger sample size on that is expiring. So now you're not taking on any additional money. Um, I just don't know where else there was for for Tice to go this year. But next season, when it, it, it looks like his money is closer to expiring, because after next season, there's still one more year that's non-guaranteed, I think it'll be easier to move Daniel Tice.
1: Yeah, maybe they can trade him in the offseason. It's not something that they're like losing sleep over that they didn't trade him. Now, the, the question is, will he continue to play the backup five minutes, moving forward for the Pacers over guys like Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson? So that, to me, is like the million-dollar question, Foxy, because um we don't want to get into it too much because um you know it is what it is I, I put my stuff out there on Twitter if you want to find it but you know Benedict Matherin played 13 minutes last night against the Miami Heat the Pacers lost a pretty competitive game and they played their veterans heavy minutes in that one a lot of Buddy Heald a lot of Miles a lot of Tice a lot of McConnell obviously those are your four vets on this team that are getting significant playing time and you know Duarte had a pretty good game as well but you know, Matherin just thirteen points or thirteen minutes, excuse me, two points, two shots. And you know, when asked about it after the game by Dustin Depierre from the New Star, Carlisle said,
0: "Coach's decision." We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over three hundred and fifty million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
2: I, I know. I didn't like that answer. I think it's said coach decision. There, there was other guys that that, that I went with. There's something, something other that guys story. that had it going. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. and that was just like, man, that reminds me of last year when like there was those situations where it, it felt like a tank job at times. And like, I don't want to say we're going down that Avenue now, but like the starters played heavy minutes. I mean, Nem hard played 28 minutes. The rest played at least 30 to 37 minutes. It's just Benedict Matherin is way, way too good to only log 13 minutes, even if it was a blowout or and if this was a close game. I just feel like something switched. I don't know what switched over the last few games ever since Tyrese Halliburton returned. Like you, you can. That's where you point the finger at. Is like right here, something happened. Something changed in terms of like what his minutes were going to be, and I just don't like it because we're seeing the body language on Mather, and we feel like there's obviously a lot more that we might not be aware about, but like his start to February is just – it's not representative of what he brings to the table.
1: I mean, I put a stat out last night of his last five games before Halliburton played, and he had over 20 points per game. I mean, he was – I mean, it was 23 to 24 points a game is what he or was I say averaging. it was exactly 23 and a half. Yeah, right? so, I mean, he was right there, Foch. He was putting up some big numbers, and then all of a sudden, yeah, he played 27 and 28 against the Kings and against the Cavs, but he played 20 against the Lakers and 13 against the Heat. And it's just like, for whatever reason, it feels like they've taken away some of his reign, I guess you could say, some of his freedom, and they're trying to control some of the stuff that he's doing. Like last night, he, he was very lackadaisical on defense. I don't. I mean, everybody gets mad whenever we talk about that because nobody wants to badmouth Ben like McMatherin. But there are times where he ball watches and doesn't pay attention. Like there was one, his defender uh, just went right by him, got an offensive rebound, put the ball up. I mean, he just he gets caught ball watching, and part of me feels like Carlisle is just being hard on him because he demands excellence out of him, and he wants him to earn it and not just feel like he's given that freedom to do whatever he wants and maybe there was a little bit of like we gave him a little bit too much freedom when Halliburton was out and we don't want him to get comfortable with that now I personally think that's a silly narrative but I can kind of see from a coach's perspective why you're trying to rein that in and teach this young man some self-discipline and how to follow along with a game plan but I'm sure the 13 minutes last night probably ticked him off so I'm hoping that Friday against the Suns he's able to you know, duplicate what he did when he was in Phoenix the last time when he had like 28 points, I think. So this is her 26, but there's just, there's just something going on though, Fochie, that doesn't seem right. I'm glad they asked about his minutes last night, but I'd be kind of curious why they think his role has changed so much. I would love Carlisle's answer on that, even if he's not going to be transparent, love why Matherin's role seems to have changed so much since Halliburton's come back.
2: It just really does feel like Carlisle's trying to teach a lesson here, and it's it's almost just like, oh, like why pick on Matherin? You know, he's been so good, and it just feels like there's been other other players that this lesson hasn't been taught to. But it definitely feels like it's Matherin's time to be, you know, going through getting, you know, making sure that nothing's handed to him. I guess. When in reality, you know, not to say that we wish things would be handed to him, but like his development is one of the most important things for the Pacers this year. And I know Mm -hmm. it's just one game seeing him play less than 20 minutes, but I had a problem with him playing just 20 minutes against the Lakers. And now we're talking about less. So I don't like the direction that this is trending. Um, And then other than that, in that game, Alex, I'm going to be honest. We spoke a little bit off air. When I saw that Jalen Smith was removed for a non-COVID illness, (laughs) I thought, oh, man, this guy might have played his last game as a Pacer. Obviously, that is not the case. It's good to see that's not the case. But, I mean, do you feel we got any more clarity for the rest of the year of cleaning up the rotation when all we did was, was trade or get rid of two guys that weren't even in the rotation?
1: Yeah, nothing really seems clear at this point. It's as clear as mud with Rick Carlisle as the head coach. It's like looking at the standing spots, they've fallen to 12th in the Eastern Conference. They are the sixth worst team in the NBA, and they are two and a half games ahead of the Orlando Magic, who are 13th, and they're two and a half back of the Atlanta Hawks, who are in the eighth spot. So they could go either way. And I think you got to look big picture here. We talked about it with Bob, and I even brought up the whole point of Making the play in, but still getting the top ten pick. I, I think you got to scratch that now. Bigger picture, get as close to the top as you can. Um, it's a fun, it's a fun scenario to talk about Fachi, in terms of like, yeah, we could still make the play in and get a top ten pick, but it's like that's fool's gold. That don't it be is. don't be stupid with this. You know, in my personal opinion, Foch, why are we playing veterans over developing young guys? I understand, like last night, whatever. It's it's one game, okay. But if this is a continual trend past the all-star break, then I'll be really upset with how they're approaching it uh, as a fan, because as a fan, you want to see the young guys develop. And I know that they got to earn their minutes and you got to reward the veterans because you got to keep the veterans motivated as well that are on the roster. But at the same time, I think they get the big picture here. What was the whole entire thing we talked about coming into the season? Development, development, development. Hard to develop your guys when they're sitting on the bench watching your veterans who've already been doing it for the past five to seven years.
2: It really is. And, and I, I'm I'm sitting here. I, I got to wipe the clown makeup off because I, I'm, I'm like, man, I really just don't think we're that bad of a team. But we have the sixth worst record in the NBA. I mean, by the numbers, it's, it's not good. And I yeah. understand that Halliburton injury really just sent the Pacers in a completely different direction. But at this point, when you're talking that the Pacers are approaching a borderline top five pick, I'm sorry, but it feels like the decision's been made up for us. Mm-hmm. And look at let's take a, a look at this perspective. Trade deadline. We expected the Toronto Raptors to be sellers. No, they weren't. They were actually buyers. Jakob Hurdle mm-hmm. is now on the team. That is a team that's in the 10th spot. So they didn't unload Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet. They're going for it. They're trying yeah. to keep this court together. I imagine they'll be better. Uh, Chicago Bulls, they had every opportunity to be sellers. <laughs> every opportunity and they probably should have because they owe the Magic their first round pick. I believe it's top eight protected. They're saying, Nope, you know what? We're going for it. I've read mm-hmm. they could have some interest in a Russell Westbrook. So it's like those are two teams <laughs> that I think are going to keep moving forward. I mean, Atlanta Hawks, they get Sadiq Bay. All right, the, the Knicks, you get Josh Hart. It feels like the teams above us got better. Now you start to look at the teams below us. Charlotte sold off some guys. I mean, Detroit made a very interesting move for James Wiseman. Um, but the, the Wizards literally did nothing. Uh, yeah, I guess they're buying out Will Barton right now. So they're they're I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but,
1: only you would know that.
2: Yeah, only I. Yeah. Uh me and Woj. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so it's just like for the Pacers, it's like we weren't buyers, we just made these tiny, tiny little moves. We weren't sellers. It's just like, all right, we're riding this out. I don't know if that's good or bad, but even for a team like Brooklyn, at least like they, you know, when they made moves, they still set themselves up for the future, but also, you know, it might not be this. They're remaining somewhat competitive this year. I just wish the Pacers would have picked a direction. And I don't know exactly what that would have meant to sell when we're talking about, like, I guess, like a a buddy healed or Duarte. Like I, I like them. Yeah. I don't want to trade just to trade, but man, we're stuck in this spot of like, where are we going?
1: Yeah. We were facilitators. We weren't, tra- we weren't buyers or sellers. We helped facilitate the trade yeah. market and that's okay. I mean, it's, it's good to be opportunistic and take those kind of moments when you can. But I, I think we knew from Bob all along, they were going to be staying pat for the most part. Yeah. Nobody expected any big, you know, changes here. And I think maybe had they been playing as well as they had in December all the way through January then maybe you see them make a move to kind of like go in and be a little bit more of a buyer um, you know John Collins was a name that was out there a lot and it looked like the Hawks were trying to find a deal for him up to the deadline and then they ended up not finding anything and so they're a team that pretty much didn't make any moves besides selling off like Justin Holiday and Frank Kaminsky and you know they ended up getting Sadiq Bay. so they they made some decent moves to kind of you know, make their yeah. team a little bit better. It wasn't like a massive upgrade, but, you know, all these buyout candidates as well could be something to keep an eye on because it feels like there's a lot of teams that could be really, uh, you know, willing to give up some guys. But for me, facha I think when I look at this Pacers team, this screams to me, let's write out the rest of the season. We're not a great team. We're not really a good team either. We're an okay team that had some success early on. Let's see what the rest of the year looks like. I don't think they're going to intentionally tank. Neither do I. I think they're going to be competitive. I just think they're going to let it ride out how it goes because they still are in the playing in tournament type of thing. So that's how they're going to do it, and I think they're going to make their big moves in the offseason. I think that's kind of been the case since they they realized that they were going to re-sign Miles, and once they extended him, it did kind of limit their options and what they could do with flexibility and money, and that has kind of pushed things back just a little bit in terms of what they want to do, and now they have some time to – Figure out what direction they want ahead in the offseason. I think they're still in rebuild mode and we've got some decent talent, but we just don't have enough to really call this team anything more than a fringe play-in team. So that's Ugh. that's why you gotta get better draft capital, Foch, and you have to continue to figure out ways to make this roster better. A
2: fringe playoff team Feels like the new modern well, play day, in,
1: not even play off. Well, that
2: that's what I meant. A fringe play in team feels
1: like <laughs> the new tough
2: out saying right over there because it's, it's like, a nice wow, way of saying it. How a fringe that might have been the nightmare scenario coming into this year is like <laughs> we'll be a fringe playing team. Yeah. Um, but is there a move out there that you saw happen that you went, man? Why didn't we do that?
1: Not really, to be honest with you. I mean. It's just like for what? Like, what was the purpose of any of these moves that were made today? A lot of these moves, besides the Kevin Durant ones and stuff like that, were just like teams trying to get a little better on the on the fringes, right? You know, you look at what the Clippers did. Now they they did a pretty good job. They got Eric Gordon, Mason Plumley, and Bones Highland. Um, I thought that was pretty pretty spectacular in terms of trying to bolster up their bench rotation, and they really didn't give out too much. They gave up John Wall, Reggie Jackson. Luke Kennard, those kind of pieces. So, you know, those were ones where I was like, okay, and I think they got Bones Highland for two second-round picks.
2: That is what I was going to bring up Yeah,
1: to. yeah. That's
2: a move that I told you at one point I was like, man, you know what? Like that Celtics first-round pick definitely gets the deal done. I felt like you're yeah. talking about two second-round picks for Bones Highland? Like, man, well, we just brought on George Hill. Like, you know, it's yeah. just like, you're going to bring in another guard. I mean, Bones would have been someone with some – High upside, a real good shooter. He's young. We got a boatload of second-round picks. That was a deal that I felt like, man, that would have been a cool deal for the Pacers. The next one I'm going to say, it doesn't make sense because the Pacers extended Miles Turner. But when you told me that James Wiseman went for five second-round picks... That, that's a real good buy-low candidate. I, I could tell by the, the facial expression you have on right now. You you have no interest in James Wise. Why?
1: We have so many centers. Uh,
2: but, but I'm saying if the Pacers weren't going to extend Miles Turner, like say that, I got that was going to materialize, that's yeah. the type of move that I, I'd pounce on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think Sadiq Bey would have been an interesting guy to go after as well. I love that Jalen McDaniels is going to the Sixers. I think he's going to really help them. Um, not bit... much
2: either though. He, he didn't, I think it was, uh, was no. a two I think it was two second round pick. picks.
1: Yeah. Matisse Thiebel goes to the Blazers. Yeah. I they got a uh, Svima Luke in that trade, which they got, they acquired him from the Knicks and yep. the Josh Hart trade. So, you know, I, I thought there was a lot of interesting moves out there. The one that I actually kind of liked that probably like gets overlooked is that three-way deal that happened between the Lakers, the Timberwolves and the Jazz.
2: That was a big deal. That was a big cool deal.
1: I think that the Lakers did a really good job in this getting Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and D'Angelo Russell for a protected one through four 2027 first round pick that conveys into a second if it doesn't, you know, become a first round pick. So to me, Foch, that was one where I was like, okay, I uh, I like what the Lakers did here. I'm kind of confused by what the Jazz were thinking with just taking on Westbrook's contract, giving up two of those guys, and getting such a heavily protected first. It's kind of a fake first, but I think they well, can use that twenty-twenty
2: top four protected.
1: Yeah, one through four.
2: Yeah, I mean uh, the Lakers.
1: How often are the Lakers at the top of the draft? Not very often because they're always getting the next free agent and that kind of yeah. thing. So, so
2: I mean they could get the tenth overall pick, the fifteenth. You know, yeah, yeah. But what I'm so, saying
1: is it's top four protected, which means that if it lands in the top 4 the Lakers get it right so
2: yeah but yeah. It yeah.
1: so it's not like it's going to be a great pick and if it falls all the way to the top 4 and the Lakers are bad right i always i always think about that wrong in my head i I know i'm like
2: like, that's really not heavily protected at all it's actually minimally protected it's
1: minimally protected but it's not like that big of a deal because even if they are terrible and they end up in the top four for whatever reason they get it back and it turns into a second immediately i just don't think the the jazz even keep that pick i think that's when they're going to package with all the other picks they have to to make some splashier moves but other than that i mean i actually like mike conley going to minnesota
2: I think I think Conley is gonna be really good for Minnesota. They need like that veteran leader. And I just feel like D'Angelo Russell, while he's a talented guard, like Mike Conley between the ears, has Russell beat 10 out of 10 times. Like that is a veteran point guard, like one of the better point guards in the league that has not had, you know, championship success of any sort, but a really yeah. good addition. The Lakers, I would just say, before we wrap up, um, they were definitely one of the major winners we knew it was going to happen it always feels like a lebron james team is somehow going to at the deadline you know kind of win the deadline yeah. uh, other than that uh you know, we talked about it a little bit but like phoenix making a huge splash getting kevin durant now all of a sudden and and that, tj
1: and warren tj
2: warren going back to phoenix that was cool that yeah was, you know it was like re- respect for tj i'm sure he's happy to go back to phoenix where he's had success new ownership over there. So it's going to be pretty cool for for Phoenix, but uh, like the Nets, like the East got weaker, the West got stronger. It, 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 for the Pacers, we'll see how it shakes out.
1: Yeah, it's it's looking pretty good for the Pacers in terms of how they can go about rebuilding because before you know it, somebody in the Western Conference is going to want to leave the West and come to the East. Could the Could Pacers it- be players and go out and get them? Keep an eye on that. That's something I'm just going to say as a little tease here, Fachi. But Ooh. like you said, we got to go. So let the people know where they can find us at on social media.
2: Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace Three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore facci. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube.
1: Man, Fachi, all that rundown. It's almost like we. It's just become like you know, monotonous when we say it, it's just like, so it's so like, uh, in your brain and so in your brain, it's, it's, it's rhythmic. So yeah. Anyway, youtube.com slash in the pace of Pacers podcast, where you can find some of our YouTube, uh, or some of our podcasts on their video version. We did not put all of them out there, but we've been trying to do a little bit more here. So this one will probably be on there as well. As you can see, my George Hill, picture in the background here for my green screen but with that being said 5g if you're excited that george hill is back to get backpacks out and be the hometown hero then hit me with those three words let's go pacers setting the pace going to the top setting the pace going to the top this
0: is your number one podcast sweeping every team we gonna need a mop smooth <laughs>